Hey, welcome to Grace Church. It's great to see everybody out this morning. I want to take some time to welcome those of you that are watching online. Uh, my name is Justin Ross. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. And I want to just give a couple updates before we jump into the message this morning. And uh, just a couple things to uh, update you about and a couple things to celebrate. And the first thing is this. Starting the first Sunday of December, we're actually going to be moving um, to a new online platform for our church services. This is something we've been working on for quite a while. Um, currently, um, our, our services are live streamed via Facebook. And uh, Facebook can only offer so much. We have a new platform that we're going to be using called Church Online, and it's going to help us to actually better connect with people online. And it's going to make it uh, where people that don't have a Facebook account can still join the service live um, while it's happening. And so we're super excited about this. This is going to be happening the first Sunday of December. And those of you that are still on Facebook, you're, you're still going to be provided with a link. So you'll just click that link and it'll take you right where you need to go. And so I wanted to update you on that. also wanted to let you know that in spite of a pandemic, in spite of kind of the choppy waters that we're living in today, um, young people are still being ministered to. Young people are still being reached. Um, most of you, I think, know this. Maybe some of you don't, but um, it wasn't too long ago we moved to a new model of youth ministry. Our our old model was was kind of a traditional model where it was built around kind of one personality or one individual. So the kids would come to the church here and they would meet and um, the youth pastor would instruct and kind of lead the youth group. And uh, we just, um, after years, honestly, of observation, we said, man, is there a better way? And so we started moving to more of a, a model where we have leaders and kids are meeting in different homes and we call them squads. And so they meet in different homes in Durango and in Bayfield. And then on the first Sunday night of the month, they get together here at the church. We call it rally night and uh, they gather. And so we just launched this new model um, not too long ago. Our first rally night, we had 35 students in attendance here at the church. And then consistently, week in and week out, at our squads kind of around um, the, uh, the region, um, we average about 40 or a little more than 40 students in, in squads. So um, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of what's going on, young people are still being ministered to. And I want you to know that's really our heartbeat. Man, we want to reach the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want them to be fired up about the things of God and excited about the things of God. And so we're working hard to continue doing that and to continue to pour in to the younger generations. We're supposed to be in Joshua part four this morning, but uh, actually titled the message Pivot. Okay, we're going we're gonna to go a little bit of a different direction because the Lord has led me to do so. And we're going to go um, in a different direction this morning. And the reality is, is because uh, we're all experiencing lots and lots of changes. Okay, lots of changes are happening again, especially in our county. Lots of changes are happening again in your businesses. Lots of changes are happening in your lives. And I wanted to take our time together this morning to remind us all of some very important truths that I believe will guide our way forward, that will really help you as an individual, you as families, that will help us as a church navigate these uh, turbulent times that we're in. You know, the current state, I would say, of our country, the, the current state of our county, the current state of maybe uh, uh, 
some of those that are even closest to you. I would say the current state of our reality is division and fear. I mean, there is a lot of division. There is a lot of fear. And and I don't know about you, but I'm just speaking for me. But I've never experienced in my lifetime the levels of division and the levels of fear that we're experiencing in our world today. There's political division and fear. There's division and fear around how we should handle this pandemic. Lots and lots of division and lots of fear. You've probably seen it. Maybe you've even experienced it in your own family, in your own immediate family. Political division and fear. uh, uh, You know, division and fear around how to handle this pandemic. You've probably maybe even seen or experienced it in churches you've been a part of. I do have to take just a moment, though, and I I have to brag on Grace Church, okay? I believe from the very beginning of of this year when when things started changing and um, things started happening fast, I believe Grace Church has really handled these changes really, really well. And I think we've done a a great job um, with people that are from all kinds of different backgrounds and different opinions and, and some with even different beliefs, but we've been able to... Um, move forward in a very healthy way, in a very unified way. And so I just wanted to take a moment and say, good job, Grace Church. I think that has taken some intentional effort on your part, and I just wanted to applaud you for that. But this morning, uh, the message is really two points. Two points that I want to bring to your attention that I believe will help you navigate the days ahead, maybe the months ahead, the ahead, even the years ahead. Two points that I think will really help us as we navigate these choppy waters. And the first one is this, okay? If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write some notes down. Hopefully you'll be able to, to use some of this this week or in the months or in, in years to come in your life. But the first point that I wanted to bring out is don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to look at verses 25 through 34. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And um, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to have the verses up on the screen. But I do want to mention, if, if you want a Bible, maybe you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible of your own today. And it's completely free of charge. You can go to the welcome table after the service and just say, can I have a Bible? We would love to give you a Bible of your own. And hey, on a note, we just ordered new Bibles. We had some Bibles, but the print, you had to have like a magnifying glass. They were awful, okay? I was like, let's get new Bibles. So we just got some new Bibles in, and they're a lot more user-friendly. So we would love to give you a Bible of your own. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. 
verse 30. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. And then verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Okay, that verse is so important. I want to read it one more time. Verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And some incredible words from our Lord, from our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, don't worry. Like, I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know what your needs are. Don't worry. I got you. I got you. As a matter of fact, Jesus is saying, hey, I've walked in your shoes. I know what it's like to go without. I know what it's like to lose things. I, I know what it's like to go through hardships. I'm, I'm with you. I understand how you feel. Jesus says. And he said, hey, don't worry. I can remember a time when I was going through a phase in my life where I was worrying about a lot of things. And uh, it was actually a a moment with my mother-in-law. She could see it in my countenance. She could see it on my face. And she actually uh, encouraged me in an incredible way. But Trisha's mom kind of put her arm around me and she said, Justin, what are you worried about? And in my mind, I was like worried about everything. You know, I had I had a lot of things that my mind was consumed with. And she said, Justin, if I can encourage you. She said, worry is is like a rocking chair. There's a lot of commotion. There's a lot of movement. But you don't go anywhere. So if I can encourage you, stop worrying. And maybe you've heard that example before. That was the first time I had heard that. And it it ministered to me. It was like, my gosh, worry is, is sometimes it consumes our mind. And we have all kinds of anxiety and fear that creeps up and our minds are consumed with all this worry, but there's all this commotion and all this movement, but we're not going forward. We're not going anywhere. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't be worried. Don't be worried. I, I got you. I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know what your needs are. And hey, if I take care of the birds and I take care of the flowers of the field and I make sure that rain comes for the harvest to grow, Trust me, I'm going to take care of you. I got you. Don't worry. So don't live in fear. Don't let fear consume you. Don't let fear drive you to an early grave. Don't live in fear. The second point that I want to make this morning, and we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning on this point. And I think this is is one that um, will be and is being put to the test. I think it's being put to the test right now in the world that we're living in. But the second point that I want to make is this. Love one another. One day a man approached Jesus Christ and 
This man was an expert in the Old Testament law. Okay, He was well-schooled, well-educated. He was a very religious man. He knew the first five of, uh, books of the Bible inside and out. All right, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the Pentateuch, okay, or the law. And, and this, this man, very religious man, he knew these books of the Bible inside and out. And he approaches Jesus and he asks him a question. He said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? A lot of people asking the same question today. If you notice, he said, what do I have to do? In other words, what he was saying is, what things do I have to do? What rules do I have to follow? What do I have to do to impress God so that he lets me in to heaven? So, so that he gives me eternal life. Once again, Jesus, knowing this man was very religious, very schooled. This man was an expert in the law. Knowing this, Jesus kind of flips the question back on him and he says, how do you interpret the law? Like, religious guy, you know? How do you interpret the law? And then in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, the man answered Jesus. And then in my mind, I kind of picture or I hear a very kind of religious tone or a very kind of pious, kind of uppity tone of voice, if you can kind of picture that with me. But the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. What I hear is, I've done everything right. I've done everything right. I've done everything right. I've done everything right. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, here's what you need to know. The word neighbor, back in these days when Jesus was uh, speaking this and had this encounter with this religious man, the word neighbor was synonymous with family. Okay, They went hand in hand. So Israel had 12 tribes, but your neighbor was only your tribe. So people that looked like you, people that acted like you, people that voted like you, people that um, wanted the same things as you, it was your neighbor, of the, your neighbor was part of your tribe. So, it wasn't someone from another tribe. You weren't obligated to help someone from another tribe. Your neighbor was your own tribe. So even though someone from another tribe might be a part of the Hebrew story, you didn't have to help them. So this expert in the law, he gets curious and he asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, can you define the word neighbor for me? Can you define, like, what does it mean? What does neighbor mean? And Jesus says, okay, I'll, I'll define the word neighbor. And he goes on to tell a story to, to kind of explain what the word neighbor means. And he tells the story of a man who's on a journey. And while he's on a journey, he gets robbed. And this man is beaten and he's robbed and he's bloodied and he's stripped of all of his clothes and he's left on the side of the road for dead. And Jesus tells how two religious leaders are walking on the path and they come to where this man who was left for dead is right in front of them and Jesus tells how they actually step over the bloodied man on their way 
to do religious things. Religious people on the right path, going to do right things, but they stepped over someone who was desperately in need. I think this religious man began to think, man, Jesus is going to tell about the hero of the story that comes and rescues this man, and I, I think the hero of the story is going to be someone from my tribe. Well, Jesus does talk about a hero that comes to help this man. But the hero is not from the religious man's tribe. As a matter of fact, he's not from any tribe of Israel. The hero is someone on the other side of the spectrum. This person, this man, comes from the most despised, most hated rival to the Hebrew people. His very kind was a word that was like a a racist term. It was Samaritan. And we know the story of the good Samaritan because he comes and he, he sees the man on the side of the road who had been beaten and robbed and left for dead. And this man not only sees him, but he stops and he kneels down and he checks to make sure he's still alive and he begins to bandage up his wounds and he ends up picking up the man and putting him on the back of his donkey. And he walks this man to the nearest town and he calls the doctor and the doctor comes and begins to minister to the man and he checks him into an inn and he tells the innkeeper, hey, if I'm going to pay the tab all right, for this man. You put him up here as long as he needs. I have to go on um, for my journey. I have to finish my journey, but I'm going to come back through. So if there's more that I owe, I will pay every penny. Just make sure that this man has opportunity to live. Make sure that this man gets the healing that he needs. The good Samaritan goes above and beyond to take care of someone who is in need. And then Jesus finishes the story and he looks at the religious man and he says, let me ask you a question. Who do you think loved their neighbor? And the expert of the law said, well, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus said, you are correct. And then he said, go and do likewise. The reason why I share this story today, because we are in a time when people are so focused on being right. I have to be right. They're so focused on being on the right path, going to do right things, that they're actually stepping over or stepping on people who really are in need. People who are broken. People who need loved. They don't need rightness. They need love. In a culture where the idea of neighbor was so restrained, so singular to our own tribe, Jesus actually swings the door wide open. And he says, you, you know who your neighbor is? This is, this is like mind-blowing to the people that are listening to Jesus. He's just totally destroying kind of the way they used to think, what they used to believe. He says, your neighbor is the person you can't stand. Your, your neighbor is the person that doesn't look like you. It's the person who is your rival. It's the person who wounded you. You know who your neighbor is? It's, it's those who are outside of your safe little bubble. 
Those are your neighbors. And Jesus says, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to love others always. That's what Jesus is teaching. But let's be honest. I mean, my gosh, we're in church, right? We should be honest. I mean, it it is hard to love other people sometimes, isn't it? Okay? Am I the only one telling the truth in church this morning? Like, I, I have a hard time loving people sometimes. You turn on the news and it's all this negativity. I mean, shoot, we even saw it in downtown Durango. I mean, people walking around spewing hatred, doing the opposite of what Jesus is teaching right here. Like, we're in a time when everything in our world is pushing us back to this archaic, singular view of the word neighbor. And Jesus is just whispering to us this morning. He's like saying, hey, come on. It's not about me and mine. It's not about my little bubble. Like, come on, trust me. Step out of your bubble. Come on, trust me. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your bubble. Come on, Jesus is saying. The reality is there there are only two primary emotions or two primary drivers, you could say, that will compel people to action. And these two drivers are simply this, love and fear. Love and fear are the two drivers that, that cause people to stand up and do something. Love and fear. Everything falls under these two words, love and fear. So our remaining time together this morning, I'm going to try to explain and help us understand these two words better. So we're going to focus in on the word fear. You know what fear is? Fear is, is the desire to protect you from them. Who, whoever them is, but it's, it's all about self-preservation. That's what fear is. Fear actually means to separate. Like, I, I don't like these people. I don't know anything about these people, so I want them over here, and I'm going to stay over here. That's what fear does. It separates. It's lumping whole people groups into certain categories because of their skin color or because of their religious beliefs or their views on how to handle a pandemic. I want them over here. You know what fear is? Fear is keeping secrets so you're not fully found out. It's trying to stay hidden. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be fully known. Fear is gossiping behind people's backs. You know what fear is? Fear is actually spewing hatred behind a computer screen because you don't have the guts to talk to that person face to face. That's what fear is. And oftentimes when Jesus invites us to love the whole spectrum of who our neighbor is, fear will begin to arise. Fear will try to explain it away or say, ah, man, you don't need to do that. Stay in your bubble. It's comfy in your bubble. It's like padded and stuff, you know, like stay in your little bubble. Stay there. And that's what fear will tell you. Stay in your bubble. And fear will try to keep us from doing the right thing. 
two religious people on the right path, going to do right things, step over someone who desperately needed their care, their attention, their focus. I personally remember seeing the results of this kind of fear when my wife and I had had the privilege and really the honor to go to South Africa a few years ago. And um, we went to a place called the Trans Sky. And, and the Trans Sky literally means the area beyond or the area over there. That's what Trans Sky means. Separate from us. And I got to see it, kind of the results of what had happened, and I ended up reading a lot about it. But it was the apartheid that happened in South Africa. So apartheid actually means apartness. Okay, Once again, separate. We want to be apart from them. And during the apartheid, people who thought they were superior tried to separate the Ulsa people to a land over there. There was a group of people they didn't want to associate with, so they wanted to move them to a different land. They were trying to separate a group of people that they despised, that they rejected, that they didn't want any part of. The government of South Africa was very involved with this as well. They actually banned marriages between different races. They didn't want these races mixing. The government passed land acts that separated more than 80%, okay, 80% of the country's land for those who thought they were superior. They were trying to separate it just for a certain group of people. And the Ulsa people were not allowed to participate in government. Hey, you can't make any decisions. We'll make your decisions for you. And from 1961 to 1994, more than 3.5 million black South Africans were forcefully removed from their lands and from their homes, and they were relocated to a land over there, the trans sky. And they were plunged into poverty. They were plunged into hopelessness. It wasn't until 1994, after pressure from the international community and people standing up for themselves, that it was called the Population Registration Act. That's really what um, gave them legal basis to uh, enact the apartheid. But in 1994, the Population Registration Act officially came to an end. And it ended this season of apartheid. And I guess the reason that I share this story with you this morning is to remind us that people can get into such a horrible place that they believe they are 100% right. And those people, they need to be separate. People can get into such a bad mentality that, man, they think it's, once again, they are right, everyone else is wrong, I'm on the right path, I'm going to do right things, and once again, I'm stepping over people in need, or I'm stepping on people in need in the process. Sometimes people can get to such a bad place where they think they're so right that they begin to create systems. They begin to create ways to physically separate those who don't think or look just like them. And let me, let me just say, my gosh, we have, 
seen this time and time again throughout human history. Apartheids, genocides, ethnic cleansing. I mean, call it what you want, but the human race does not have a good track record of loving each other. We really don't. And yet, Jesus is calling us to a whole new, different kind of loving your neighbor that was, especially for the learners and the listeners of this day, it was just, it was something so new that they hadn't heard before. It's so deep. We need to understand, this is so theological. This is so important to the story of God. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that I pray you will hear with fresh ears. That's really going to help to drive the point I'm, I'm trying to make this morning. And I, I want to take you to the city of Corinth. Right? Corinth was much like Durango. It was hypersexualized, hyper-individualistic. Um, people were very driven, but yet people were very empty. Um, it was all about pleasure. It was all about what I want and yet there was an emptiness that existed in Corinth. But something cool was happening in Corinth. There was a a Jesus movement that was happening, and uh, it was happening in the Christians there in the city of Corinth. But the Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthian church that every one of you, okay, it'd be like if Paul was talking to you this morning. He would say, every one of you has a spiritual gift. It might be the gift of leadership. It might be the gift of teaching. It might be the gift of evangelism or mercy or hospitality, but God has gifted every single one of you. And he's, he's teaching the Corinthian church, and, and Paul would be teaching us the same thing this morning. He's saying, hey, sitting on the sidelines as a Christian is unacceptable. I mean, the only way for the church to really work like God intended the church to work is for every one of us to step up and to serve in our giftedness, to serve the kingdom of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul goes on to say, I need to tell you the most excellent way. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I just don't know what the way is. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I I don't know which way to go. Paul is just saying, hey, I'm going to tell you about the most excellent way. Paul goes on to say, I don't care if you're the greatest teacher, if your prayers are the most prophetic, beautiful prayers. I don't care if you write the most beautiful worship songs or if you lead one of the most influential organizations in the region. It doesn't matter if love is not the foundation. It will all be for nothing. Paul says, if you get this right, okay, when you are sent out into your town or into your neighborhoods or When you are sent out, you can multiply your reach because people will see your love in a brand new way. They will see authentic, real love. And that is what our world is craving. They don't want to see fear and division anymore. They want to see people who are not afraid and people who are walking in love. That's what they want to see. That's what they're hungry for. 1 Corinthians 13 one through three. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move the La Plata Mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Man, don't live in fear and love one another. I want to get really practical and I want to give us one thing as we kind of begin to wrap this up. I want to give us one thing that you can do for your neighbors. One way that you can love other people. One way that you can have kingdom impact in your circles of influence. And it comes from the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is taking this message of love and he's bringing it to different cities and he's bringing it to the church of Philippi. And this is what he says. He says what love does. Philippians chapter 2, the last part of verse 3 into verse 4, he says this, Value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Valuing people. Actually caring about what's going on in your neighbor's life and in their world. And I have to be honest with you, valuing other people usually begins when we close our mouth more often and we open our ears more often. We actually begin to listen to what people are going through and why they believe what they believe or why they're saying what they're saying or what experiences they've had or what brokenness they're facing. And we begin to listen to them and we begin to show genuine care for them. What would it look like if we could raise the value of people around us? You see, that's what love does. Love lifts people up. Have you been around Someone, and you spend a little bit of time with them, maybe it was over coffee or at their house or maybe just after a church service, you spend a little bit of time with them and man, you walk away and you're like, I feel like good. I feel lighter. I feel refreshed. Like spending time with this individual, they lift me up. Like they help give me a little pep in my step, you know, like, man, this person encourages me. That's what love does. It lifts people up. The one thing you can do for your neighbor today is you can value them. You can actually really care about what they're going through, what they're facing. It means that they're actually worth it. It means that you care about what's going on in their life. So the call from Jesus, listen, the call from Jesus is to put our love into action. Man, we need to make the decision to love, to forgive, to accept, to bless to respect, to inspire others. Listen, you need to know this, that God's greatest treasure is people. That's what he values more than anything. His greatest treasure is people. As a matter of fact, you have never looked into the eyes of someone that does not matter to God. Every single person matters to him. So as we move forward in this world, 
And these are the two points that I'm trying to keep on the forefront of my mind. Because listen, it is so easy right now to get distracted. My gosh, it's so easy. And I'm trying to stay focused on, hey, Justin, don't be afraid and love others. Don't be afraid. Love one another. Don't be afraid. Love one another. So let's be the kind of people who step out of our bubbles, step out of our comfort zones. Let's be the people that actually get down and we minister to the broken. We put the bandages on their wounds. We actually care about the person that has been left for dead. And may may we not be the people that just step over them on the right path going to do right things. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to close out the service this morning with one more song. And while they're coming up, I just wanted to just say something that's really important. And the reality is, once again, loving people can be so hard But it starts with a decision. You have to make the choice to value other people. And I think we all have the tendency to be isolated. We all have the tendency to separate ourselves from people who are different than us. It's not easy. Um, We all have the tendency to care for only those who are in our own tribe. I'm guilty of it. I'm I'm like, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to protect my own, right? I'm so glad that God didn't treat us that way. Scripture says, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Jesus came to earth because He valued you, because He valued me. He looked beyond our differences. He looked beyond our brokenness. He came to us because He valued us. He loved us so much, He gave His life for us. Now, love is not easy. Listen, if love was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? It's not easy. Man, God is calling us to a higher level of living. And that higher level of living is love. It's actually the high road. It's the hard road. It's the step out of your comfort zone road. I want to invite you this morning as we're singing, and if God has spoken to you, if you're like, man, I, I just need some prayer in my life, we have a prayer room um, available right after the service. You can walk right out of this room and turn immediately to your right, and we have some wonderful people in there that are ready to pray with you, to pray for you, and I want to invite you to that. But if you would, um, and just let this song minister to you and encourage you, and uh, let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time this morning. I pray that the words that have been spoken, um, I pray that they have landed in people's hearts and minds and in their souls, in the depths of their souls. I pray that you would help some people who have been just consumed by fear to be set free from fear today. I pray that you would help some people who have been maybe walking in hatred or maybe they have been trying to separate themselves from people who are not like them to actually do something different something that's out of the norm, and to actually love their neighbor, to love people who are different than them, that don't look like them, (laughs) that don't think like them, 
Lord, help us to, to love well. And God, I just pray that uh, as we move forward into a, a future that's unknown by us, but Lord, you know the future. Help us to move forward in peace, to move forward with great confidence, knowing that we serve a great God who is never going to leave us and never going to forsake us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.